0: Welcome, In the Great Khan's Tent. History, literature, and storytelling. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on YouTube. You can find us using this podcast name. Fear not, listeners, episodes will still be released on this podcast first, and it is only after a delay of a week that I will upload them onto YouTube. You can still find us on all your podcast providers first. Are you interested in getting the book you just published reviewed? Writing some piece of literature and need help getting it out there and promoted? Interested in sharing what piece of literature we should cover next? Well, fret not! In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on Patreon, where your contribution can help in growing this podcast. For as low as $3 a month, a price less than a good, and I mean good, cup of coffee, you can help contribute to the growth of this podcast. Every bit helps, but as always, it is not necessary to do so, but will be appreciated. Find the Patreon link on our website, on our social media accounts, or email us and we can send it to you. Thank you. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great Khan's tent at gmail.com. That is in the great Khan's tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we are reaching the conclusion of the story of the story of Nuruddin Ali and his son and of Shamsuddin Muhammad and his daughter, continuing with night 23 and going into night 24. In this night, we see that Shamsuddin Muhammad, his daughter Sit al-Husun and his grandson Ajib are all in Damascus and then are going to Basra to pick up Hassan Badruddin's mother and returning to Damascus, where they finally find Hasan Badruddin and take him back in a unique method to Cairo. It should be noted that unlike the previous episode, where we could adequately identify the camping grounds that Shamsuddin stayed in, this time the camping grounds are identifiable only to some degree, but their history is not really known and my research has proven inconclusive. The area of Redania, or Al-Redania, according to Edward William Lane, is only identifiable with the battle between the Mamluk forces of Egypt and the Ottoman Empire in 1517 CE. It is also unclear why Shamsuddin went to the Viceroy to gain his permission to take Hassan Badruddin when he had already taken him, and what this act was meant to accomplish. I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Auzubilla Minashetan Nerejim Bismila Hiraman rahim In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. Praise be to God, the beneficent King, the creator of the universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars, and spread out the earth as a bed. And blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad Salah, and his family. Blessings and peace, enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after, so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others, and take warning, and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples, and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after and of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations." Shirzad continued. They all ate together until they were satisfied, after which the youth and the slave arose and quitted the shop of Badruddin who felt as if his soul had departed from his body and gone with them. He could not endure their absence for a twinkling of an eye, So he shut up his shop and followed them, though ignorant that the youth was his son, and walked quickly until he came up to them before they had gone out from the great gate, whereupon the eunuch, looking back at him, said, What dost thou want, O cook? Badruddin answered, When ye departed from me, I felt as if my soul had quitted my body and having some business in the suburb. I was desirous of accompanying you to transact my business and after that to return. But the eunuch was angry and said to Ajib, "Verily, this repast was unlucky, respectful treatment has become incumbent upon us, and see he is following us from place to place. Ajib therefore looked around and seeing the cook was enraged and his face became red, but he said to the eunuch, Suffer him to walk in the public road of the Muslims, but when we shall have turned from it to our tents if he do the same, and we know that he is following us, we will drive him back. And he hung down his head and went on, the eunuch behind him. Badruddin, however, followed them to the Medan al Haspa. and when they had drawn near to the tents, they looked back and saw him behind them. And Ajib was angry, fearing that the eunuch might inform his grandfather, and lest it should be said that he had entered the cook's shop, and that the cook had followed him. He looked at him till his eyes met the eyes of his father, who had become a body without a soul, and he fancied that his eye bore an expression of deceit, and that he was perhaps a knave. To Ajib, it seemed as though his eyes were those of a pervert, or he was a debauchee. So his anger increased, and he took up a stone and threw it at his father, and the stone struck him on the forehead and wounded him, and he fell down in a swoon blood flowing over his face. Ajib went on with the eunuch to the tents and Hassan Badruddin, when he recovered his senses, wiped off the blood and having cut off a piece of linen from his turban, bound up his head with it, blaming himself and saying, I wronged the youth when I shut up my shop and followed him, so he thought I was a deceiver. I have wronged the boy, making him think that I was a pervert. And then he returned to his shop and occupied himself with the sale of his meats, and he yearned with the desire for his mother, who was at al-Basram. And he recited in tears, You wrong time, if you ask it to be fair, do not blame it. It was not created for fair dealing. Take what comes easily and leave care aside. Time must contain both trouble and happiness. The vizier, his uncle, remained at Damascus three days, and then departed to Hims. And having entered this town, proceeded thence, inquiring at every place where he halted in his journey, until he arrived at Maridin and Al Mosul and Diabakar. He continued his journey until he arrived at the city of Al Basra. And when he had entered it and taken up his quarters, he went and presented himself before the sultan, who received him with respect and honor and inquired the reason of his coming. So he acquainted them with his story and informed them that the vizier Ali Nuruddin was his brother. The sultan ejaculated, Allah have mercy upon him, and said, O sahib, he was my vizier and I loved him much. He died twelve years ago and left a son. but we have lost him, and have heard no tidings of him. His mother, however, is with us, for she is the daughter of my old vizier. On hearing from the sultan that the mother of his nephew was alive, the wazir Shamsuddin rejoiced and said, I am desirous of having an interview with her, and the sultan gave him immediate permission to visit her at his brother's house. So he went thither and kissed the threshold he thought of his brother and how he had died in exile. So he shed tears and recited these lines, I pass by the dwellings, the dwellings of Leila, and I Kiss first one wall and then another. It is not love for the dwellings that wounds my heart, but love for the one who lived in them and entering an open court, found a door overarched with hard stone inlaid with various kinds of marble of every colour and He walked along by the walls of the house and as he cast his eyes around them, he observed the name of his brother Nuruddin inscribed on them in characters of gold. And he went to the name and kissed it and wept. He then recited these lines. Every time it rises, I ask the sun for news of you, and I question the lightning about you when it flashes. Longing folds and unfolds me in its hands all night, but I do not complain of pain. Dear ones, for long after you went, separation from you has left me cut to pieces. Were you to grant my eyes a sight of you, it would be better still if we could meet. Do not think I am busied with another. My heart has no room for another love. He then advanced to the saloon of his brother's wife, the mother of Hassan Badruddin of Al-Basra. During the absence of her son, she had given herself up to weeping and wailing day and night, and after she had long suffered from his separation, She made for her son a tomb of marble in the midst of the saloon, where she wept for him night and day, sleeping nowhere but by his tomb. And when Shamsuddin arrived at her apartment, he heard her voice apostrophizing the tomb. Standing behind the door, he listened to her reciting, In Allah's name, Grave, are his beauties now gone, and has that bright face changed? Grave, you are neither a garden nor a sky. So how do you contain both branch and moon? And while she was thus occupied, he entered and saluted her and informed her that he was her husband's brother, acquainting her with what had passed and revealing to her the particulars of the story. He told her that her son, Hasan Badruddin, had passed a whole night with his daughter and disappeared in the morning, and that his daughter had borne him a son, whom he had brought with him, and when she heard this news of her son, and that he was perhaps still living, and beheld her husband's brother, she fell at his feet and kissed them, addressing him with this couplet. Divinely is he inspired who acquainteth me with their approach, for he hath brought information most delightful to be heard. If he would be satisfied with that which is cast off, I would give him a heart rent in pieces at the hour of valediction. She recited, How excellent is the man who brings good tidings of your coming. He has brought with him the most delightful news. Were he to be contented with a rag, I would give him a heart that was torn in pieces when you said goodbye. The vizier then sent to bring Ajib, and when he came his grandmother rose to him and embraced him and wept. But Shamsuddin said to her, This is not a time for weeping." but rather a time for preparing thyself to accompany us on a return to the land of Egypt, and perhaps Allah may unite us with thy son, my nephew. She replied, I hear and obey, and rising immediately, collected all her property and treasures and her female slaves, and forthwith prepared herself, after which the vizier Shamsuddin went up again to the sultan of al-Basra and took leave of him and the sultan sent with him presents and rarities for the sultan of Egypt. The vizier departed without delay, accompanied by his brother's wife, and continued his journey until he arrived at the city of Damascus, where he alighted again and encamped at al Kanun and said to his attendants, We will remain at Damascus a week to buy for the sultan presents and rarities. Ajib then said to the eunuch, Laik, boy, I long for a little diversion. Arise, therefore, and let us go to the market of Damascus, and see what is going on there, and that he wanted to look around the place, and what hath happened to that cook, whose confection we ate, and whose head we broke, notwithstanding he had treated us with kindness, we acted ill towards him. The eunuch lake replied, I hear and obey. And Ajib went forth with him from the tents, the tie of blood inciting him to visit his father, and they entered the city, and proceeded to the shop of the cook, whom they found standing there. It was then near the time of afternoon prayers, and it happened that he had again just prepared a confection of pomegranate grains, And when they drew near to him, the heart of Ajib yearned towards him when he saw him, and he perceived the scar occasioned by the stone that he had thrown. He said to him, Peace be on thee, know that my heart is with thee. And when Badruddin beheld him, his affections were engrossed by him, and his heart throbbed with emotion towards him and he hung down his head, desiring to adapt his tongue to speech, and unable to do so, but presently he raised his head, and, looking towards the youth in a humble and abject manner, recited these lines. I wished for my beloved, but when I beheld him, I was confounded, and possessed neither tongue nor eye. I hung down my head in honour and reverence, and would have hidden what I felt, but it would not be concealed. I had prepared a volume of expostulation, but when we met, I remembered not a word. Hassan was agitated, his heart fluttered, he hung his head towards the ground, and he tried without success to move his tongue around his mouth. Then, looking up at his son with meekness and humility, he recited these lines. I wished for my beloved but when he came in sight in my bewilderment I could not control tongue or eyes I bowed my head in reverence and respect I tried to hide my feelings but in vain I had whole reams of blame to give him but when we met I could not speak a word he then said to them refresh ye my heart and eat of my food for by allah as soon as I beheld thee, my heart yearned towards thee, and I had not followed thee unless I had been deprived of my reason. Then he said to Ajib, Mend my broken heart and eat of my food. By Allah, when I look at you, my heart races, and it was only because I had lost my wits that I followed you. By Allah, replied Ajib, Thou dost indeed love us, and we ate a morsel with thee but after it thou keepest close behind us, and wouldest have disgraced us, we will not eat again with thee, therefore, but on the condition of thy swearing, that thou wilt not follow us, and otherwise we will not come to thee again henceforth, for we are staying at this city a week, in order that my grandfather may procure presents for the Sultan." I bind myself, said Badruddin, to do as ye desire. So Ajib entered a shop with the eunuch, and Badruddin placed before them a saucer filled with the confection of pomegranate grains, upon which Ajib said to him, Eat with us, and may Allah dispel our affliction. And Badruddin was delighted, and he ate with them. But he turned not his eyes from the youth, for his heart and all his faculties were captivated by him. Ajib, observing this, said to him, Knowest thou not that I told thee thou wast a rude daughter? Enough of this, continue not to gaze at my face. When Hassan heard what his son said, he recited these lines. You have a hidden secret in men's hearts, folded away, concealed and not spread out. Your beauty puts to shame the gleaming moon while your grace is that of the breaking dawn. The radiance of your face holds unfulfilled desires, whose well-known feelings grow and multiply. Am I to melt with heat when your face is my paradise, and shall I die of thirst while your saliva is cothor? But din therefore apologized to him and began to put morsels into the mouth of Ajib and did the same to the eunuch. Hasan kept filling Ajib's plate and then that of the eunuch. Afterwards, he poured the water upon their hands, and when they had washed, he loosened a napkin of silk from his waist and wiped them with it. He next sprinkled rose water upon them from a bottle that was in his shop, and went out and returned with two cups of sharbat prepared with rose water infused with musk, and placing these before them. He said, complete your kindness. So Ajib took a cup and drank, and Badruddin handed the other to the eunuch, and both drank until their stomachs were full, and gratified their appetites to a degree beyond their usual habit. They then departed and hastened back to the tents, and Ajib went in to his grandmother, the mother of his father, Hasan Badruddin, and she kissed him And then, thinking of her son, she sighed, shed tears, and recited, I hoped that we might meet, and after losing you, there was nothing for me to wish for in my life. I swear that there is nothing in my heart except your love, and by Allah my Lord knows every secret thing. And said, Where hast thou been? He answered, In the city. And she arose, and brought him a saucer of confection of pomegranate grains, which happened to be somewhat deficient in sweetness. And she said to the eunuch, Sit down with thy master. The eunuch said within himself, By Allah, we have no appetite. I have no urge to eat. He, however, seated himself, and Ajib did the same, though satiated with what he had eaten and drunk, and dipped a morsel of bread in the confection and ate it, but it seemed to him insipid, on account of his being thus colloid, and he loathed it, and said, What is this nasty dish? O my child, said his grandmother, dost thou find fault with my cookery? It was I who prepared it, and except for thy father, Hassan Badruddin, There's no one who can cook it, as well as myself. By Allah, O my mistress, replied Ajib. this thy dish is not well prepared. We have, just now, seen in the city a cook who had prepared a confection of pomegranate grains, but its odor was such as to dilate the heart, and the confection itself, such as to excite the appetite in one already satiated. As to thine in comparison with his, it is good for nothing. His grandmother, on hearing this, fell into a violent rage. Night 24. Morning now dawned, and Shahrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the 24th night, she continued. I have heard auspicious Janshah that on hearing this, his grandmother became very angry. And looking at the eunuch, she reproached him. And turning towards the eunuch, said to him, "Woe to thee! Hast thou corrupted my child? Thou hast taken him into the shops of the cooks." The eunuch feared and denied, saying, "We did not enter the shop, but..." only passed by it. But Ajib said, By Allah, we entered and ate, and what we ate was better than this mess of thine. And upon this his grandmother arose and informed her husband's brother, and incensed him against the eunuch. The slave was therefore brought before the vizier, and he said to him, Wherefore didst thou take my child into the cook shop? The eunuch, fearing, said again, we did not enter. Nay, said Ajib, we did enter, and we ate of a confection of pomegranate grains until we were satisfied, and the cook gave us to drink sherbet with ice and sugar. The vizier's anger with the eunuch now increased, and he asked him again, but still he denied. Then, said the vizier, if thine assertion be true, sit down and eat before us. The eunuch therefore advanced, and would have eaten, but he could not. And he threw down the morsel that was in his hand, and said, O my master, I am satiated since yesterday. And by this the vizier knew that he had eaten in the shop of the cook, so he ordered the female slaves to throw him down upon the ground, and they did so, and he gave him a severe beating while the slave cried for mercy, but still saying, I am satiated since yesterday. The eunuch called for help. Don't beat me, master, he cried, and I'll tell you the truth. The vizier then interrupted the beating and said to him, Declare the truth. At the length the eunuch said, Know that we did enter the shop of the cook, while he was cooking pomegranate grains, and he ladled out, and he ladled out for us some of the confection and By Allah, I have never in my life ate anything like it or any more detestable than this which is before us. The mother of Badruddin enraged at this, said, "Thou shalt go to this cook and bring us a saucerful of his confection and show it to thy master." that he may say which of the two is better and the more delicious. Well, replied the eunuch, and immediately she gave him a saucer and half a piece of gold, and he went to the shop and said to the cook, We have laid a wager respecting thy confection at the tent of our master, for there is a mess of pomegranate grains cooked by the family. Give us, therefore, for this half piece of gold, and apply thyself to prepare it perfectly, for we have received an excruciating beating on account of thy cookery. Laughing at these words, Badruddin replied, By Allah, none excelleth in the preparation of this confection, except myself and my mother, and she is now in a distant country. And he ladled out as much as filled the saucer and perfected it by the addition of some musk and rose water. The eunuch then hastened back with it to the family, and the mother of Hassan took it, and tasting its delicious flavor, immediately knew who had prepared it, and shrieked, and fell down in a swoon. The vizier was amazed at the event, and they sprinkled some rose water upon her, and when she recovered she said, if my son be yet in the world, no one but he cooked this confection. He is my son, Hassan Badruddin, without doubt, for none but he can prepare this, except myself, and it was I who taught him to do it. When the vizier heard these words, he rejoiced exceedingly and exclaimed, O oh, how I long to behold my brother's son! Will fortune indeed unite us with him? But I look not for our union from any but Allah, whose name be exalted. And he instantly arose, and called out to his male attendants, saying, Let twenty men of you go to the shop of the cook and demolish it, and bind his hands behind him with his turban, and drag him hither by force, but without any injury to his person. They replied, Well. The wazir then rode immediately to the palace, and presenting himself before the viceroy of Damascus, showed him the contents of the letters which he had brought from the sultan, and the viceroy, after kissing them, put them to his head and said, Who is thine offender? He answered, A man who is by trade a cook. And instantly the viceroy ordered his chamberlains to repair to his shop, And they went thither, but found it demolished, and everything that had been in it broken. For when the vizier went to the palace, his servants did as he had commanded him. They were then awaiting his return from the palace, and Badruddin was saying within himself, What can they have discovered in the confection, that such an event such as this should have befallen me? and when the vizier returned from the viceroy, he had received his permission to take his offender and depart with him. He entered the encampment and called for the cook. They brought him, therefore, and his hands bound behind him with his turban, and when he saw his uncle he wept bitterly, and said, O my master, what crime have ye found in me? The vizier said to him, Art thou he who cooked the confection of pomegranate grains? He answered, Yes. And have ye found in it anything that requires one's head to be struck off? This, replied the vizier, is the smallest part of thy recompense. Wilt thou not, said Badruddin, acquaint me with my crime? The vizier answered, Yea, immediately, and forthwith he called out to the young men, saying, bring the camels. They then took Badruddin and put him in a chest, and having locked him up in it, commenced their journey, and continued on their way till the approach of night, when they halted and ate, and taking out Badruddin, fed him, after which they put him again into the chest, and in like manner proceeded to another station. Here also they took him out, and the vizier said to him, Art thou he who cooked the confection of pomegranate grains? He answered, Yes, O my master. And the vizier said, Shackle his feet. And they did so, and restored him to the chest. They followed this pattern until they reached Kamrah, when Hasan was taken out of his box, and was again asked whether it was he who had cooked the pomegranate seeds when he still said yes shamsul din ordered him to be fettered which was done and he was put back into the box then they continued their journey to cairo and when they arrived at the quarter called uraydania the vizier commanded to take out badruddin again from the chest and to bring a carpenter to whom he said make for this man a cross what said badruddin dost thou mean to do with it The vizier answered, I will garret you on it. I will crucify thee upon it, and nail thee to it, and then parade thee about the city. Wherefore, demanded Badruddin, wilt thou treat me thus? The vizier replied, For thy faulty preparation of the confection of pomegranate grains, because thou madest it deficient in pepper. Because of its deficiency in pepper, exclaimed Badruddin, Wilt thou do all this to me art thou not satisfied with having thus imprisoned me and fed me every day with only one meal the vizier answered for its deficiency in pepper thy recompense shall be nothing less than death and badruddin was amazed and bewailed his lot and remained a while absorbed in reflection the vizier therefore said to him of what art thou thinking he answered of imbecile minds such as thine, for if thou wert a man of sense, thou wouldest not have treated me in this manner on account of the deficiency of pepper. It is incumbent on us, replied the vizier, to punish thee that thou mayest not do the like again, to which Badruddin rejoined, the least of the things thou hast done to me were a sufficient punishment. The vizier, however, said, "'Thy death is unavoidable.' "'All this conversation took place "'while the carpenter was preparing the cross "'and Badruddin was looking on.' "'Thus they both continued until the approach of night "'when Badruddin's uncle took him "'and put him again into the chest, saying, "'Tomorrow shall be thy crucifixion.' "'He then waited until he perceived that he was asleep.' upon which he remounted, and with the chest borne before him, entered the city and repaired to his house. And when he had arrived there, he said to his daughter, Sit al-Husun, Praise be to Allah, who hath restored to thee the son of thine uncle. Arise and furnish the house as it was on the night of the bridal display. She therefore ordered her female slaves to do so, And they arose and lighted the candles and the vizier brought out the paper upon which he had written his inventory of the furniture of the house and produced the paper on which he had drawn a plan showing how the furniture was to be arranged and read it and ordered them to put everything in its place so that the beholder would not doubt that this was the very night of the bridal display. He directed them to put Badruddin's turban in the place where its owner had deposited it, and in like manner the trousers and the purse which was beneath the mattress, and ordered his daughter to adorn herself as she was on the bridal night, and to enter the bride-chamber, saying to her, When the son of thine uncle comes into thy chamber, Say to him, Thou hast loitered since thou withdrewest from me this night, and request him to return and converse with thee till day. Talk with him until daybreak, and I shall then explain the whole affair to him. Having thus arranged everything, the vizier took out Padruddin from the chest, removed the shackles from his feet, and stripped him of his outer clothes, leaving him in just his shirt. All this was done while he was asleep, unconscious of what was passing, and when he awoke and found himself in an illuminated vestibule, he said within himself, Am I bewildered by dreams, or am I awake? Allah knows better, he said, but this is a muddled dream. Then rising, he advanced a little way to an inner door, and looked, and lo, he was in the house in which the bride had been displayed and he beheld the bride-chamber, and couch, and his turban, and clothes. Confounded at the sight of these things, he took one step forwards and another backwards, thinking, Am I asleep or awake? And he began to wipe his forehead, and exclaimed in his astonishment, By Allah, this is the dwelling of the bride who was here displayed before me, and yet I was just now in a chest. And while he was addressing himself, behold, Situl Husun lifted up the corner of the mosquito curtain and said, "O my master, wilt thou not come in? For thou hast loitered since thou withdrewest from me this night." When he heard these words, he looked at her face and laughed and said, Wearily, these appearances are bewildering illusions of a dream." Then entering, he sighed and, as he reflected upon what had happened to him, he was perplexed at his situation, and his case seemed involved in obscurity, looking at his turban trousers and the purse containing the thousand pieces of gold, he exclaimed, "Allah is all-knowing, but it seemeth to me that I am bewildered by dreams and he was confounded in excess of this astonishment upon this, therefore, Sit al Hasun said to him. Wherefore do I beheld thee thus astonished and perplexed? Thou was not so in the commencement of the night. And he laughed and asked her, How many years have I been absent from thee? Allah preserve thee, she exclaimed. The name of Allah encompassed thee. Thou hast only withdrawn to yonder apartment. What hath passed in thy mind? On hearing this, he smiled and replied, Thou hast spoken truth, but when I withdrew from thee, sleep overcame me, and I dreamt that I was a cook in Damascus, and that I lived there twelve years, and I thought that a youth of the sons of the great came to me, accompanied by the eunuch, and he proceeded to relate what had happened to him in consequence of this youth's visit. Then drawing his hand over his forehead, he felt the scar occasioned by the blow, and exclaimed, By Allah, O my mistress, it seemeth as though it were true, for he struck me with a stone upon my forehead, and cut it open. It seemeth, therefore, as though this had really happened when I was awake, but probably this dream occurred when we were both asleep. I imagined in my dream that I was transported to Damascus without tarbouche or turban or trousers, and that I followed the occupation of a cook. And again for a while he remained utterly confounded. He then said, By Allah, I imagined that I made a confection of pomegranate grains containing but little pepper. Verily I must have been asleep, and in my sleep have seen all this. I conjure thee by Allah, said Sid al tell me what more thou sawest. And he related to her the whole, and added, If I had not awakened, they would have crucified me upon a wooden cross. On account of what, said she? He answered, On account of the deficiency of pepper in the confection of pomegranate grains, and I imagined that they demolished my shop, and broke all my vessels, and put me in a chest, and brought the carpenter to make a cross of wood, for they intended to crucify me upon it. Praise be to Allah, therefore, who caused all this to occur to me in sleep and caused it not to happen to me when I was awake. Sit al-Husun, laughing at his words, pressed him to her bosom, and he in like manner embraced her. Then reflecting again, he said, By Allah, it seems as if it had happened when I was awake, and I knew not the reason nor the truth of the case. And he composed himself to sleep, perplexed with his case, and sometimes saying, I saw it in my sleep and at other times I experienced it awake. Thus he continued until morning when his uncle, the vizier Shamsuddin, came in to him and saluted him, and Badruddin, as soon as he beheld him, exclaimed, I conjure thee by Allah, tell me, art thou not though he who gave orders to bind my hands behind me and to nail up my shop on account of the confection of pomegranate grains, because it was deficient in pepper. The vizier answered, No, O my son, that the truth hath appeared, and what was hidden hath been manifested. Thou art the son of my brother, and I did not this but to know if thou wert he who visited my daughter on that night. I was not convinced of this until I saw that thou knewest the house, and thy turban, and trousers, and gold and the two papers namely the one which thou wroteest, and that which thy father my brother wrote for i had never seen thee before and therefore knew thee not but as to thy mother i have brought her with me from al-basra having thus said he threw himself upon him and wept and badruddin full of astonishment at his uncle's words embraced him and in like manner wept from excess of joy The vizier then said to him, O my son, the cause of all this was what passed between me and thy father, and he related to him the circumstances of their case, and the cause of his father's departure to al-Basra, after which he sent for Ajib, and when the father of the youth saw him, he exclaimed, This is he who threw the stone at me. This, said the vizier, is thy son and Badruddin cast himself upon him, and recited the following verses. Long have I wept on account of our disunion, the tears overflowing from my eyelids, and I vowed that if providence should bring us together, I would never again mention our separation. Joy hath overcome me to such a degree, that by its access it hath made me weep. O I, thou hast Become so accustomed to tears that thou weepest from happiness as from grief, and recited these lines I have wept over our separation, and for long tears have been pouring from my eyes. I vowed were time to join us once again, my tongue would never speak the word parting. Delight has now launched its attack on me, and my great joy has made me weep. And when he had uttered these words, His mother, beholding him, threw herself upon him and repeated this couplet, Fortune made a vow to torment me incessantly, but thine oath hath proven false, O fortune, therefore expirate it. Happiness hath arrived, and the beloved is come to my relief. Repair then to the messenger of festivity and hasten. And she recited, On meeting we complained of the great suffering of which we speak. It is not good to send complaints by messengers. She afterward related to him everything that had happened to her, and he also acquainted her with all that he had suffered, and they offered up thanks to Allah for their union. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on coffee. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, Please click on the link available on our many social media platforms or email us. Why not donate to our coffee to show your appreciation? Every bit helps and we thank you for your continued support. we love that our listeners love listening to us. Welcome to the vocabulary section for episode 18. First, let's look at some of the terms that were used in this episode sahib, sir, master, a term of respect used, viceroy, a ruler exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign, threshold, the sill of a doorway or the entrance to a house or building, couplet, a pair of successive lines of verse, especially a pair that rhyme and are of the same length, cookery, The practice or skill of preparing and cooking food. Vestibule. An antechamber, hall, or lobby next to the outer door of a building. Fettered. Restrained with chains or manacles, typically around the ankles. Now let's look at some of the vocabulary used in this episode. Desirous. Having or characterized by desire. Deceit. Deceit the act or purpose of concealment or distortion of the truth for the purpose of misleading, duplicity, fraud, or cheating. Knave, an unprincipled, untrustworthy, or dishonest person. Swoon, to faint or lose consciousness. Acquainted, having personal knowledge as a result of study, experience, informed, or brought into social contract, or made familiar. Ejaculated, to utter suddenly and briefly, or exclaim. Apostrophizing, a digression in the form of an address to someone not present, or to a personified object or idea. Acquainteth, to make more or less familiar, aware, or conversant. Valediction, an act of bidding farewell, Or take leave, or an utterance, oration, or the like given in bidding farewell or taking leave. Notwithstanding, in spite of, without being opposed or prevented by. Inciting, to stir, encourage, or urge on, stimulate, or prompt to action. Yearned, to have an earnest or strong desire, or to feel tenderness, be moved, or attracted. Abject, utterly hopeless, miserable, humiliating or wretched, or contemptible, despicable or base-spirited, confounded, bewildered, confused or perplexed. Reverence, a feeling or attitude of deep respect, tinged with awe and veneration. Expostulation, an expostulatory remark or address or earnest and kindly protest. Affliction a state of pain, distress or grief, misery or cause of mental or bodily pain, as sickness, loss, calamity, or persecution. Doter to be extremely and uncritically fond of. Gratified. Give someone pleasure or satisfaction, or to indulge or satisfy a desire. Insipid. Lacking flavor or lacking vigor or interest. Dilate. Make or become wider, larger, or more open. Recompense make amends to someone for loss or harm suffered, or to compensate. Incumbent necessary for someone as a duty or responsibility. Loitered stand or wait around idly or without apparent purpose. Manifested display or show a quality or feeling. By one's act or appearance, demonstrate. Providence, the protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power. This episode has been written, edited, and produced by Saf Big. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful.